For some reason, that reminded me of the Sunday Night Delight song from Anchorman. I don't know any of the words. <laughs> That's coming so up later, too. You, did you take a look at my notes before we started this? <laughs> no, it's Afternoon Delight. That's what it is. Oh. Afternoon Delight. I have no idea how the words go, though. No, it was not that. It is, it is Afternoon Delight, because all three of them no, are it's like... it's three little birds. What? No. They're all sitting in the I'll office. I'll my doorstep, singing three songs. That's... No, they're Three singers. little birds. No. You and I are thinking Everything of two different scenes. Singing. Yes, yes, I am from here, here, here. You and I are thinking of two different scenes. Singing all the way. No. About a thing. No. Are you telling me that is not by the great Rastafarian? I'm talking about Anchorman. What are you talking about? I'm talking about Three Little Birds, the I'm song. I was just Anchorman. singing a fucking song. Why you gotta hop down my ass? I know, I'm telling you, it reminded me of <laughs> Anchorman. Hop up my ass and down my throat. You shut up. Don't hop down my ass. Oh, you know, pumpkin beers are gonna be back soon. Mm. It's about that time of year for me to be a basic bitch again. Basic bitch again. <laughs> Here I go again on my own. <laughs> <laughs> Being a pumpkin bitch, <laughs> not alone. I see signs. They have a lot of local coffee shops here. I see signs driving to work every morning that say they have lattes made with real pumpkins. I'm like, <laughs> it's probably still just flavoring. It's yeah, not like they're yeah, yeah. grounding up a pumpkin and tossing pumpkin seeds <laughs> in your beer just or your, the, your coffee. Did you see that our small mountain town is being graced with a Panera bread? Really? Yep, yeah, going to be right there on reserve. I do. I miss it. I miss Mayo Panera I bread. I miss Panera. I miss turkey I miss and avocado. Chick Fil A too, even though they're a super racist company. <laughs> I'm still not a fast food guy. I'm, I'm, they have really good waffle fries. <laughs> Their chicken is actually pretty good for fast food chicken, even though they're kind of a racist company. The racist can make good fried chicken. Yeah. Not as good as non-racists. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Panera. Never thought nice, about though. the culinary arts and racism. <laughs> <laughs> Panera would be nice, though. Neither have I ever thought of that establishment as a culinary arts institute. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was at work the other day, though, <clears throat> and they uh, order food a lot just because they're like, ah, mm-hmm. you know, what sounds good today? And they were trying to pick out food to eat, and they were like on one of those like DoorDash-esque sites or whatever yeah. where they deliver the food for you. And one of the girls I work with was like, ooh, we can have Baskin-Robbins for lunch. <laughs> and I was like, no. I was like, I was so craving uh, Reese's Blizzard the other day. You should order from Sonic. And then they all just turned and looked at me. And I was like, ah, oh, you don't have Sonics there here. There is no Sonic. <laughs> we are Sonicless. They were like, yeah, if you want to wait a couple of hours for it to get here. <laughs> but they are bringing a Nashville hot chicken <coughs> food truck to town. And that made the newspaper. Seriously? Yeah. Here? Yep. It's, it's not going to be like real Nashville hot no. chicken. No, <laughs> probably not. I was trying to explain the concept to people at work the other day. And it was alien to them. Yeah, it's not going to be... But anyway, we're not here to talk to you about food. Maybe racism, but not today. <laughs> Welcome to Mistakes Were Made. My name is Brett Bloom. I'm sitting across from the beautiful, the effervescent, the effervescent, the beautiful, <laughs> the, beautiful the effervescent, the bodacious, Kristen Bloom. Effervescent. I like that. <laughs> the effervescent, Kristen Bloom. She's effervescent and bodacious. Yeah. Saving time with my words. Contraction. <laughs> uh, how you doing this week? You doing all right? feel better today yeah we uh we're pretty much covered in smoke for... thanks california you bastards <laughs> uh, like a good week or whatever i guess you literally could not see the sky at all yeah. every single day for like a good week and uh it rained yeah, it yesterday. looked like our video game was you know rendering <laughs> you couldn't see shit uh yeah you couldn't even see the mountains either mm. um it rained yesterday, though, and finally cleared it out, which is hilarious because I specifically planned on getting some shots this weekend of, like, the smoke. city with yeah. the smoke in the air because I was like, oh, it looks, like, so apocalyptic. It's going to be really cool footage for a film. Yeah. And then now it's all gone. And now it's pretty again. <laughs> and you're mad that it's, it's like, pretty outside. It's you, universe. It's like, you just made me really sad all week, and now I can finally use you in my art, and I know I can't. You're like, jokes. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of bumming me out for a while there. I felt pretty bummed yesterday. Yeah. feel good today, though. That's got good. beers. Got a hubby. Yeah. Got wings. And uh, rings. Coming to room temp. <laughs> <laughs> And we're going to watch a two-star. Uh, so, yeah, I guess we could announce that first. Sure. Sure. 
Sure. Uh, our upcoming two-star Tuesday is going to be 2019's Polaroid. Um, it's thing over here. Let me get closer to the mic. It says, A teen's discovery of a vintage Polaroid camera develops into a darker tale when she finds that whoever takes their photo with it dies soon afterward. It has a zero critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, so I'm, this is going to be fun. I'm excited about it. <laughs> so yeah, you guys, uh, if you're not familiar with the two-star, go ahead and watch that one. With your hubby, uh, or your wife. Uh, I don't know why I said it like that. Um, <laughs> go ahead and watch that tonight, and then on Tuesday we'll do a proper review of it. An hour, hour and a half, however long it takes us to talk about what is definitely not going to be a good film. And on the plus side, my schedule has now changed, so I get off earlier on Tuesdays, so maybe the energy be... Energy be... <laughs> Should we just restart today. this? Maybe the energy <laughs> will be... Less awkward for our two stars from mm. now on because I will be getting off earlier and uh, we will not be podcasting at midnight anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to give that a solid shot. Um, I've got a few notes here um, that I kind of wanted to go over. We can freewheel this, you know, as much as we want to, considering neither one of us can speak right now. Um, <laughs> and I have zero notes. So zero just, notes. I'm just out here hanging out and living <clears throat> my life. But the first thing I wanted to get into, it's an old news story as of this recording, so it's going to be an older news story by the time this comes out, but that's all right. I'm sure there's not a whole lot of news. I'm sure the race war is over. There's no more coronavirus. The president, you know, I'm sure not a lot of people nice. read the news either. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there was a theft, I believe it was 2016, of uh, $3.2 million worth of books uh, that were stolen from a hangar near Heathrow in Felton. Um, and they haven't been able to figure out who the hell did it. Uh, they recently caught like 12 or they caught 13 people, 12 admitted to being a part of this heist. Is this Ocean's 13? Oh, that's what I was going to get to. This thing reads like a literary Ocean's 11. You know, these guys bust in at the, the original, you know, thing back then. Um, they cut a hole in the roof of the warehouse, rappel down 40 feet, dodging movement sensors wander around for hours, go back out of the roof, and vanish. And they're gone. I wonder if that's gone. like it is in the movies where they spray shit to see yeah. the sensors. <laughs> yeah, like the Mission Impossible where like he's laid out on his belly, you know, dangling. Spraying a mist so he can see the sensors. Mm -hmm. So they pull off this badass scheme, and these books popped up in some town in rural Romania. It was underneath a house. I wonder how long they'd been there. I have no fucking clue. But the, they were explaining that there's like this Romanian um, heist group that does shit like this, like art theft. Um, but they stole it way back in 2016? Yeah, and they hit it because they're trying to move things. Like I'll, I'll read you a couple of the things that were uh, in it. But the the guy that they think did it is some like mysterious book collector called like the astronomer or some shit like is that. It Banksy. Exactly. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> it was actually Banksy. Banksy stole them all. But this thing included, um, a 1566 edition of on the revolutions of the heavenly spheres by Nicholas Copernicus. Uh, it included a first edition copy of the divine comedy by Dante dated 1960 or 1569. That's wild. First editions of Galileo and Isaac Newton's work, sketches by Francisco de Goya, and more. I would like to see those just to see what kind of condition they're in. Well, they wrapped them all up so, like, they wouldn't get moist, and then they, I guess, cut a hole out of the floor and shoved them all down in there, you know, airtightened it, well, and fucking put the ceiling. selling them, they'd have to take care of them. Yeah, but it's nuts, you know, like, you hear about bank robberies and shit like that, and there's a part of me that always loved like, a good bank robbery story, um, but book theft. Fucking... Did it say whether or not they had gotten all the books back or if some of them were missing? Uh, it was still like an initial article oh. as of, you know, this recording. It was on the BBC. Because it's just insane to me that they stole them that long ago. And like, I guess you yeah. wouldn't want to move them too quickly because then you might get caught. But like that they still have them and haven't sold them off yet. Yeah, I would think that you would have a plan. <laughs> you know, for where these things are going. Like, okay, I've got a list of buyers. Yeah. Go grab that shit, roll it, move it, Maybe gone. Maybe this dude just wanted to keep him for himself. Maybe. Starting the oldest library <laughs> ever. I thought that was super fucking interesting. And that on top of, I've been reading this book that came out like a month or two ago called Running the Light by Sam Talent. Um, but this Mr. Astrology or whatever the fuck his name is, 
uh, the astrologist, not Mr. Astrology. Um, <laughs> struck me as like a very interesting, you know, dynamic character, you know, mm -hmm. even though he's a real world person. And what I've been thinking a lot about this week since starting reading Running the Light is the dynamic character again. I know we've talked about it on here before. I hope we talk about it a different way every time that we do talk about it. Um, but character for me is like at the heart of any good story. It's above plot. Like if I don't care about the person, I'm not going to care about the story yeah. revolving around the person. And the astrologist seems really cool. It makes um, me think of the mummy. Like I want to go do that chick's job and just go find cool old shit. Yeah, yeah that's an archaeologist, <laughs> my love. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> an astrologist that's looks like, at stars. I, I know. I'm just saying that was like her job. Like she'd just go read cool old books. Yeah, like, yeah, just, yeah. Like even if you couldn't understand the language, and it'd just be cool to be like, "This was from like the 1500s." This is old shit. <laughs> the pages are like brittle. <laughs> But the, that story combined with this book, I, I kind of wanted to talk about character. And, um, he should have called himself the archaeologist. That would have made way more sense. Yeah, because he's digging around for old books yeah. and then he's burying them. Yeah, that's a dumb name, dude. Yeah, I'm not going to say anything to you, dude, because you sound like you kill people for books. You should have thought your name <laughs> Should have killed your team. Then nobody would have found mm -hmm. your books. Anyway, sorry. Your book. So, um... There's a character, and granted, Kristen hates his name. Have you said the name of it yet? I have not. Uh, the name of the book? Yeah. Yeah, I've already done that. Okay. It's Running the Light by Sam Talent. Um, Kristen hates the name Billy Ray it. Schaefer. I hate it. Billy Ray Schaefer. Because it's a, a traveling comedian, right? Mm -hmm. It's a, someone who... He's a road comic, yeah. Yeah. And, like, all I can think of, because Billy Ray just sounds like such a southern white trash name is literally billy ray cyrus and then i'm like this is like some southern character with this long drawl of an accent he's yeah. got a mullet and like that is not who i picture as but a you're not comedian. far off because that's what he is like he's at the game for like 26 years he's out of shape he's like hooked on cocaine he's lost everything in his life he's living that's out of not... hotel rooms He's got a mullet. He's overweight. He's playing Which the I, VFW. I know, I know there were like... It's like a Ron White meets Doug Stanhope. <laughs> Which I know there were like redneck comedians like Larry the Cable Guy and all that. But just like generally speaking, yeah, that's not what I picture when I think of comedians. How so, do you, what do you picture? This is going to sound uh, <laughs> really biased. <laughs> um, Straight white man. <laughs> uh, more liberal, um, better dressed, more intelligent people. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a lot of the the big name comedians. Yeah. But you know, when you're doing a road circuit, you're playing like shithole towns. This you're not playing like, like arenas. Wears cowboy boots, a plaid button up, has yeah. a mullet. And you see a lot of that in like smaller cl smaller clubs. You know, like your your people that are making fifty dollars spots or whatever, um, aren't necessarily your buttoned up wearing a sweater. You know, a lot of them are drug addicts. Don't like his name, <laughs> Billy Ray Schaefer. Again, dumb name. Pick a different name. Yeah, but the premise is Billy Ray's been at this for almost 30 fucking years. He's gotten nowhere. He once, you know, was on Letterman and all these bigger things. And I'm not terribly far into the book, so I don't know. Is this based on a real person's life? I think it's just based on road comics. Like, Sam Talent's been on Stan Hope's podcast a lot. Is he a comedian? Recently. Yeah, he's a stand-up. Um, he's been on Stan Hope's show quite a bit. He was on Burt Kreischer's show last week. Um... And uh, he was talking about how it's a composite of a lot of people. And, like, the Doug Stanhope stands out a lot in this character. You know, just because he's teetering on the edge, ready to retire, doesn't know if he can, body's falling apart on him. <laughs> he's just dying. <coughs> and Stanhope was a legendary road comic for decades. Thank God for podcasting. Thank God for... <laughs> I can't remember what special it was that probably saved his ass. Maybe it was the man show. But <laughs> you ruined the man show. You're right, I ruined the man show. I raped its fucking corpse. <laughs> I'd ruin the man show twice as hard for half the money. Um, anyway, so you've got like this burned out drug addicted dude who's like on the edge, as he says early on, I think it's on like page two, on the edge of himself. Um, and Sam Talent is, uh, 
I think this is his debut novel. The writing is fucking impeccable. I underline things as I go through, and I've got multiple things lined per page. Do you have any idea if he's older or younger? Sam? Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm just curious, yeah. like, if it's coming from a perspective of someone who's also had this long career behind yeah, them. Yeah, that's actually an interesting question. I wish I would have looked into that. See, like, if he... Um, is drawing from his own experiences or if he's drawing from the older guys on the road that, that he's he, seen, yeah, you know, because he still has like a romantic take on being a road comic and he's portraying mm. this older, burned out coquette. We'll have to look into that later. Yeah. Questions for another one. <laughs> anyway, sorry. So anyway, I'm reading. So <laughs> I keep trying to read this paragraph. and then <laughs> I have questions. I don't have the answers that's, to your questions. That's the point. You always tell me to engage. Otherwise, we blow through yeah. the topic and then there's no show. <laughs> I'm engaging. <laughs> but I liked this concept of this guy who, from page one, is the other. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't establish himself like this is larry larry's life is normal no sam throws you immediately into um billy ray's life is a shithole billy ray is a shithead this whole situation's crazy and nihilistic now buckle the fuck up we're going places (laughs) and i thought these two paragraphs here on page 19 so i'm not ruining anything for you it's still there in the first chapter but billy ray gets on stage and he starts telling his jokes and he's getting a couple of laughs and it's a really interesting dynamic between what the audience and the reader is seeing. And then there's an admission where it pulls the camera in really tight and you see how he feels while it's happening. Like you can still almost hear the applause in the background. So I'm going to read. You read. From page 19. Of? Running the Light. (laughs) By Sam Talent with two L's. (laughs) He was excellent. An emancipator, a prophet. The microphone, a relic in his hand. For the duration of his set, his was the only voice in the world. Santeria, cult ritual, jokes as incantations. What he said altered the listener, caused them to revert and devolve. They howled, they grunted, they whooped, they squealed. Under his spell, they communicated without words, slapping at each other like lesser humanoids. Or lesser hominids, sorry. Some cried, the joy welling up and escaping their eyes in the form of clear liquid and running down their faces gone sore from smiling prolonged. For 58 minutes, Billy Ray Schaefer harnessed the protein, giving shape to that which has no form. It was a masterful performance that left the crowd liberated and buckling like convulsives. But for Billy Ray, while his attention was occupied, he operated autonomous of a sense of pride. While he was killing, Billy Ray Schaefer was completely and hopelessly bored. He checked his watch. He thought about dinner. This task brought him joy no longer. He didn't hear the laughter anymore. Thank you, Tucum Carey. Now let's get destroyed. It's kind of sad, too. Oh, the book is very sad. <laughs> How far in are you? Um, almost 50 pages, page 49. Oh. I do worry about that. Sorry to kind of derail a bit. No, derail all you want to. I just wanted to get that quote so I could put the book down. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do worry about that. If uh, filmmaking becomes my one and only career and that's all I do all day, every day, will I eventually resent it too? Well, that's the interesting dynamic. It does bring out that question. You know, I felt that way, especially when it comes to, okay, time to get a job as a writer, you know, not doing what I want to write, but being paid to write what other people want me to do. There is boredom in that process. But if that became every time I sat down to write, I'd hate myself. But what we've got here is a guy who he's technically living his dream, but it's like he's outlived his dream. You know, He's had his successes. He didn't hang up his hat. He's still forcing himself to go out on the road. And that's how he feels about being on stage anymore. Yeah, but I like I wonder, which I mean, I think so few people ever achieve that level of success that they're truly doing their version of what their dream is. I think most that's sad. Most writers, <laughs> well, I think most writers, yeah. most filmmakers, most painters, anything like that, have to take commission work or yeah. whatever. So at some point in your month or your year or whatever you're doing, work for someone else that isn't necessarily work that you dream of, and maybe that is the balance. Maybe having to still do the 
jobs that you don't love keeps the jobs that you do love a passion. But I, I do like they're sacred because you can go work your nine to five the whole time going, God damn it, I wish I could just yeah. go home and write. You know? Or even if it's not a nine to five, like hypothetically, let's say you had to take one commission job every single month yeah. to maintain an like income. my editing shit. Yeah. yeah, while also writing your own stuff, but that one commission job every month made working on your own stuff like more freeing. Mm-hmm. Or if I had to like do one corporate job a month while then also shooting the films I want to do, like maybe there is a balance to that because it gives you perspective. I do wonder if we had enough money to just do just the stuff we wanted to do, if I wouldn't eventually also resent that because... Hmm. then it would become a job. I think if you looked at it like that, you'd have to... I don't... That's that's an interesting question. Yeah. It's an interesting I mean, I'm, thought. I'm not saying I would feel that way. I just wonder that sometimes. Like, when your passion is literally your job, do you eventually start to look at it as a job? I would hope not. You know, you might if you were just barely scraping by. Mm. You know, like if if we were making the money that we were making now doing what we loved we would still be living paycheck to paycheck and i feel like well i feel like if we were making the money that we're making now which is not a lot (laughs) (laughs) just referenced paycheck to paycheck um if we were making that money on writing and filmmaking i think there'd still be a guerrilla war aspect to it Mm -hmm. but like if we settled out you know enough money to get by maybe not wealthy and you went stagnant in your art, like if it didn't go anywhere or if you stopped pressuring yourself, then yeah, it just becomes, I need the paycheck, so I'm doing the fucking thing. You know, yeah. as opposed, that's how Nicolas Cage ruined his yeah, career. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Maybe it's a, <laughs> that was taxes, but... It's a, an instance where it is kind of black and white, then maybe where... Yeah, because when you're, you're young and living out of your car, being a road comic is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> You're and a mercenary. Then, when you hit the point where you've got enough money that you are wealthy and doing more than fine, your life is probably a bit more lavish. You're going on vacations and your life in general is yeah. kind of the fun. So doing the work is probably still fun too. Yeah. But yeah, maybe when you're like that middle class, like <laughs> creative worker, it's like, yeah. oh. It's not going anywhere, <laughs> but you're technically making commercials for the local news station. You know, mm. you're like, I'm a filmmaker, but like, I'm not really having an impact even on like a real community level. Yeah. You know, or I'm a blogger, but I write clickbait articles. You know? <laughs> I'm a blogger and people only click on my shit because I'm posed in a skimpy outfit. Yeah. No, I just, I don't know. That's how I judge my authors. (laughs) You know, I didn't start reading Hemingway because I saw the swimsuit pictures. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I don't know. That's an interesting dilemma to me, I guess, because I've never experienced it. I've never um, even made money at all off Mm. of my craft. So I don't even know what it feels like to make a paycheck off of my work. Like, Um, I've had, like, bad writing days where I'm like, this is a struggle. I am trudging through a swamp. What the fuck is going on here? But it's not like I'm bored with the craft. I'm still in love even in those moments with writing. It's just like I feel like my friend in my head didn't show up. And I'm like playing in the sandbox by myself. (laughs) It's like I still get to play in the sandbox. But it'd be fun if I didn't have to make all the voices myself. (laughs) Somebody helped me build the castle. (laughs) Um, No, because I mean like I've done... Lost in um, the sandbox. (laughs) A memoir. (laughs) I've done... Lonely um, sandbox. A poem. Aww. <laughs> um, for button poetry, probably. <laughs> I've done um, jobs for other people's films, yeah. you know, where I've gotten paid, and I still enjoyed that. I just, I don't know. That's a interesting, like, psychological study, I think, whether or not getting what you want actually makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Like, are you happy when you're trying well, to achieve it more? It depends on what you want, you know? Yeah. Like, if you want fame, you know? Like, if you want to be the next... Scorsese or whatever you're fucking I don't know why he's my reference on that um, then I don't think you're ever gonna be happy that's why <laughs> if it's a money goal you're sure as shit never gonna yeah. be happy it has to be you know for me it's like I want it to make an impact I want to write a book that I can sell that I can give all the proceeds to a suicide prevention program that would make me really happy that is a massive goal but it's for somebody else I mean, minus not enjoying being the center of attention. I think that was a part of the reason, ultimately, I didn't really enjoy acting. Like, I 
I wanted to do work that made a difference, but I feel like the culture of trying to make it as an actor, especially like on a small scale in a city where you're yeah. like trying to compete with other people, like the goal does seem to be fame. Like I need to get that one job so people start recognizing my name. Yeah. So it just didn't. I want to make my trip to the grocery store even more stressful. Yeah. Like, it, didn't, <laughs> it didn't feel like a goal that was trying to be accomplished on a creative level so much as like, I need people to know me. And that was mm -hmm. kind of how the culture felt. Um, and maybe that was just the Nashville area. I don't know. Maybe there are other cities that aren't. I'm sure your big way. cities are always like that. There's got to be an element of that, and you know, Los Angeles and Seattle and New York City and all of that. Yeah. But yeah, it felt like that was the grand achievement. Like I need to be famous, and people need to know who Kristen Pennington is. Yeah. You know, and now I'm like. That's why you got the homeless guy with two, no legs playing his guitar outside of the pubs or yeah. the bars. Yeah. <laughs> And now I'm like watching movies and I'm like, I need to know how they did that. Yeah. I need to accomplish my goal here. My goal is to make a damn good film. I um, want to write one decent sentence today. That's the goal. If I can hit that goal, fuck it. Yeah, we're there. Sorry, I hijacked your uh, characters. I, was, I just no, think that's I'm, a very interesting concept. So we, like, we got all the time in the world. I just, I knew I had to read that before my tongue got too twisty, and we started off with twisty tongues. So I needed to get that, that <laughs> segment ready. Yeah. Um, no, I, like, I, I think that is an interesting character, though, because I think it is... I mean, if he's writing the book on, like, real experiences and real people, then obviously mm -hmm. it is probably to some level a real person but like it is a real thing that i've worried about so it is a real human emotion yeah. for us of on the outskirts yeah you know, still trying to make it in some sort of entertainment industry yeah. it's not just comedy it's in film it's in literature it's in drama like do you achieve a level of su success eventually where the taste kind of sours in your mouth and so that is kind of interesting to see a character where that's happened to yeah. them yeah, because you'll hear comedians say, what am I, your monkey? You know, <laughs> like, don't, you know, tell me a joke. Go fuck yourself. And he's at a stage in his career as a character uh, where he's voluntarily the monkey. I, hey, I'm going to go up tonight and clap my hands. You know? <laughs> Have you ever had people do that to you? Because that doesn't... Uh, my boss is currently doing that to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I meant just like random Here's people. 65 pages. Can you please edit this? And I'm like, it's... are you going to pay me like $1,500? Or am I going to tell you to eat a thousand dicks and die? Like, I don't know. Like it's a lot more... I'm not meaning it. <laughs> it's a lot more of a like involved process to make a movie as far as like equipment and crew and the mm -hmm. time to edit it and stuff. So I don't think I'll ever be in a situation where somebody will be like, why don't you just pop me out a movie real quick but like yeah. I could see someone doing that to like a writer like why don't you write me like a thing real yeah. quick no I'm the person when they have a big case you know one of the officers has a big case they run over to me they call me word porn that's my nickname at work Aww. and I have to review everything I don't want to review everything but I get you know a couple of minutes of now nobody talking to me and I get my little blue pen out and I go, there's a comma that's supposed to be here. Fuck that comma. Why did you misspell that word? All right, go back to school. That's you funny because there's a Facebook page that uh, I'm assuming I still follow. I haven't seen any other stuff in a long time, but it is literally called word porn. And it's like yeah. words with definitions and like random poetry and shit mm -hmm. like that. <laughs> so yeah. that's kind of funny. They called me word porn at work. <laughs> and I actually like word porn, so... <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, no, it, people do ask you to do that, you know. We, Did you ever have, like, girlfriends or anything do that to you, like, growing up? Like That's how I got girlfriends growing up. <laughs> what are you talking about? But nobody was ever like, write me something. No, that, constantly. You did that to me. What are you talking about? <laughs> I did not. I did not. You're like, you never all, write about me. No, and it's like, yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, all you I did. Said, all I said. Early in. Early, all early I in. said was it's kind of awkward to read stuff where you're writing about other women. Yeah, insinuating <laughs> that you would like to be written about. And it's like, there's a reason I don't do that shit. <laughs> I was abused all through high school. I didn't say write me something. You gave me something yeah. to read. And I was like, you know, it's kind of awkward reading stuff that you're writing no. about other women. The, the men in my life uh, <laughs> that knew me back then um, have a very different image than the women that I know. Because I, I know a lot of women. I'm, I'm not a sexist. Um, so I have a lot of friends that I've had this forever. This I know a black friend. Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of women, so I know I'm not a lot, sexist. I know a lot of women. <laughs> 
can't be sexist because I know yeah, them. <laughs> I have a lot of platonic relationships where we don't look for anything. But in high school, I would sit in the back of the school bus with my little fucking spiral notebook I would carry in my back pocket, much like I do my current moleskin that sits next to my wallet. And I would write. And so I would write poems and then like give them to the girls just to be like, hey, yeah, no, don't cry because your boyfriend broke up with you. Here's a happy poem about why he's an idiot. All right, now I'll ever crumble it up and throw it back at you? Uh, I've never had that happen. <laughs> Nobody ever did that. I want to say somebody threw it out the window, but it wasn't the girl. Like oh. it was like a dude that was that hated me, whose name I would give you, but I still have plans to catch him, you know, somewhere in a bathroom in a Walmart and fuck his life up. From the um, other side of the country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna wait outside of Walmart and be like, "All right, time to kick your head into like a urinal." Next time. Kristen I know we're 30. Me. This happened when I was 13. Fuck you. <laughs> the next time Kristen drags me to Tennessee for the holidays, it's on site. <laughs> it's like I'm assassinating that motherfucker. <laughs> Not literally. I'm going to probably hurt him pretty good, but eh, fuck it. Um, <laughs> you should throw a stapler at him. Apparently that's effective. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure he snagged one out of a, a friend of mine that I still have. Uh, snagged one of hers away and threw it out the window mm. just to make me mad. That bastard. Yeah, there's a reason why I write the way I write. I hate people. <laughs> it was a lot of fist fights and poetry. I don't know what to tell you. That's basically been my entire experience as, a, as an artist. <laughs> Did any boys make you make films with a porn? No. That was a joke. No, they did no. not. Didn't hold a gun to your head and be no. like, all right, here we go. No. My, my childhood was slightly more, only slightly, but slightly more wholesome than yours. <laughs> I was never an actor. Oh, oh I am now. <laughs> it happened on the IMDb page. Fuck. Yeah. Okay, so... I've become the thing I hate. I need to tell that story, because that's hilarious to me. Yeah, Brett, Brett uh, constantly pokes fun of actors. Uh, love you. On this show. Um, <laughs> and, um... So, uh, a lot of our short films are available um, on our YouTube, obviously, youtube.com slash nightmareboxproductions, but I also put, like, all the information, the um, cast, the crew, all that jazz up on the IMDb. And uh, up until very, very, very recently, um, I enlisted on IMDb as a director, producer, and actress, because I have uh, done some acting work and stuff, and Brett was listed as a writer producer and i think actor was the third category yeah. but uh uh like imdb kind of gives you a default description that's like brett bloom is a so and so and so and so based on how many things yeah yeah on how many things you've done and because we keep doing short films brett has to act in <laughs> imdb now has brett listed as a writer and actor if it ever switches in the other direction, it's over. I'm, I'm blowing my or head Or maybe off. it's a producer and actor. Yeah, maybe you're not even a writer no, at all I, I, on IMDb. I think they killed the producer. I think you're right, but we might have to double check. But yeah, no, I've become, I've lived long enough to become the villain. <laughs> I text that to Brett because I thought it was fucking hilarious. And he was like, what the hell? <laughs> it's not what I wanted in my life. And it's fucking hilarious to me, and, and Jax has been upgraded to a producer status now. I, I'm, I'm not even a producer. I'm going to make a whole film, <laughs> a whole series of films about my dog. <laughs> and that'll be the most quirky character of all time. But in the meantime, I've got more characters for you guys. You <laughs> yes. Oh, right. <laughs> Thinking about that dude legitimately made me anxious. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, i got to get up and walk around, make sure that the blinds need to be open, come back to the story. I was like right back there in my little, you know, leather-bound Aww. bus seat. And I was like, dude, you should have just chucked his ass out the emergency exit. <laughs> oh, babe. It was bigger than he was. It's not fair. Aww. Yeah, still makes you sad. Well, don't, you can kill him off in a film. Yeah, don't bully people. <laughs> you, can, you can kill him off in a movie. I'm, I'm going to kill him. Give him a tiny dick like <laughs> Anne Lamont suggested. <laughs> Characters, though. God damn it. All right. Um, <laughs> Aw, babe. I don't know why that affected me so much. It's been an anxious week, team. It, it has been. It's, it's I, be I okay. sat outside the store and cried yesterday. It's been an anxious <laughs> week. <laughs> um, but getting back into the, okay, professional podcasting mode. Um, Were we ever professionals? No. It's Mistakes from Made Podcast. If you came here for something fine-tuned, you can't read. Um, so <laughs> my next one, I... I Tried to promise myself I wouldn't bring up any characters that we hadn't talked about already, but I kind of needed a jumping board after the Sam Talent because I figured that that would be kind of a heavier character and I don't know him very much. Um, 
but one that I know very well. And apropos, around the time I was also writing poems in the back of the bus, uh, comes from my man, Chuck Palahniuk, and his fucking classic Fight Club. The unnamed narrator that people disguise or, or discuss as Jack. Yeah, Jack's smirking revenge. <laughs> I love him as a character because in the immediate he is he's desperate, he's frustrated, he's nihilistic, he's... Until he meets Tyler, he is a nobody and an everyman, you know, like is he he's not, a contradiction. Is he not then Tyler Durden himself? Like, is that not his actual well, Tyler Durden doesn't exist. Tyler Durden's a figure. Spoiler he, alert from a thing that came out in, like, 1998. Um, Tyler Durden doesn't exist, yeah. so the character with no name is the only one that there is. But I... I haven't seen it in years, so I don't really remember. Doesn't he introduce himself as Tyler to no. the girlfriend? Doesn't yes, he... but that's a part of the flashback series. Yeah, but like... Or she does... thinks he's Tyler Durden because when she's with Tyler Durden, she's with the more animalistic side yeah. of him. So, but, she, so she thinks that's his name, right? Yeah, okay, but yeah. that's not actually his name. Okay, because I was like, character. I remember somebody calling him yeah. that. Because like when she reveals he's one and the same, doesn't she call him Tyler yeah. or something? Tyler Durden, Tyler Durden. And he's like, that's not my fucking name. <laughs> and then uh-huh. it, it all starts coming together for gotcha. him after uh, the death of Robert Paulson. Aww, Played Bob by Meatloaf. The, Bob with the big tits. Bob with the big tits. Bob is had, that Meatloaf? Yeah, Bob had bitch tits. Man, we gotta rewatch that. I haven't seen that in I years. I will happily rewatch Fight Club. I fucking love Fight Club. But I was talking more about the book. Um, oh, <laughs> just because I've got I some literary characters. <laughs> um, Chuck Palahniuk did not direct Fight Club, the film. But the movie is awesome. The book is awesome. The book has a better ending than you the movie. Do you know he likes the movie? Uh, I think so, yeah. He plugs it constantly. Um, but the book is better. As is most of the case, it's got a much better ending than the film. Go watch it. Is it going to ruin it for me if you tell me how it ends? Are you ever going to read Fight Club? I don't know. He doesn't die after he shoots himself, and he goes to a medical ward where he's convinced that his therapist is God. He doesn't die in the movie either, though. No. But it ends with the crashing of the buildings. And, you it know, is a neat scene, though. It's a really cool scene, but that's the chapter before the final chapter of mm-hmm. Fight Club. Because then he kind of wakes up in a hospital. So he's still just crazy. He's still schizophrenic, but he's killed Tyler Durden. So now he's just confused, and he's convinced that his therapist, who's trying to clinically treat him, um, is God. Since mm-hmm. God sat across from me at the long oak table, or something like that is the line. That's interesting. That's kind of depressing. It's really cool, because he starts trying to explain Tyler Durden's theories to God and God is able to fix some of them in this. And I, I want to say the last line of the book is, um, but whatever, you can't teach God anything. <laughs> I like that. That's funny. <laughs> I like that. The next one I had for, um, literary characters and i do have three film ones i think they're gonna surprise you um but my next one for literary characters is sherlock holmes created by sir arthur conan doyle i he's a witty charismatic cocaine addict again i'm more familiar with the uh TV robert show downey and jr movie adaptations yeah. <laughs> yes interesting character though i i mean to be fair the robert downey jr version is pretty cool yeah and pretty close to the actual character from the books. Really? Yeah. Isn't he an addict in the film? Yeah, I think he's a morphine addict in the film, but he was a cocaine remember. addict in the books. I think so, yeah. I think he holds himself up in the house and, like, just does drugs and stuff whenever he's, like, going through his breakdown. Yeah. So that's very similar to the um, the novel versions of Sherlock Holmes. Is he do the whole like calculate scenarios before he gets into a fight in the book thing, or is that not just a like cheesy, that? I mean, that's a cool. It's a cool fight scene, you know. Thing. I don't think he gets in a lot of fist fights and like Hound of the Basketballs. <laughs> I think he's he's more like he walks into a room and sees like a lens from a piece of you know a pair of glasses tucked in the corner that the maid forgot to clean up, and he's like, oh, those belong to this guy who was the last owner of the house, which means the maid is unattentive, which means the maid is not the maid, which means... (laughs) (laughs) Like, that same sort of Mm -hmm. thing happens in the books. Is Watson still a military dude? uh, I can't remember if Watson's military, but Watson is, like, a hilarious yin-yang for him. 
He's like a equally as witty uh, side character, but he's straight laced. So like he's always like, "Why are you on cocaine? We have a crime to solve. Can you please wake up?" Shit <laughs> together, please and thank you. Yeah, the crime. Th- we have not fixed the crime. Can you? Stop going on a coke bender and fucking all these whores in the brothel. Like, what the fuck are you doing? So, that's a loose adaptation of what I remember of Sherlock Holmes as a character. I'm going to have to read that now. Yeah. <laughs> There's a bunch of books. This They're is all... not children-friendly by the sound of it at all, and nope. I'm pretty sure it's in high schools. Yeah. My mom loves Sherlock Holmes. I bought her, like, the, um, the complete collection and stuff like that for Christmas one year. One of her favorite characters of all time, so she... Although, to be fair, uh, A Series of Unfortunate Events is a book in high school as well, and a lot of people die in those books. I love those books. <laughs> a right, lot I of loved, die. I loved those books. I had all of those. My Rottweiler ate, like, three of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my next one, which you, you're not familiar with terribly, is R.P. McMurphy from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which was written by Ken Kesey. I know that's a book, too, but no, I've never even seen the movie. Yeah. Well, basically, he's a criminal. I can't remember what his arrest was for. Um maybe even murder, but he pleads insanity, thinking that going to the asylum, he'll be there for three months, they'll let him go, as opposed to, like, spending six years in prison for whatever it was that he had done. Um, So that doesn't turn out to be the case, because in the asylum, they give him meds, they try to convince him that he's insane, and he looks insane compared to the insane people because he's trying to entertain them. Like, they turn off the World Series, and he goes off on a diatribe where he's being the announcer for a game that he can't see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, hand the pitch, goes over to first base. <clears throat> so he's a sane criminal in an insane asylum where he's the insane person in the asylum, but the only sane person in the room. Why do those three in particular stand out to you as far as like books go? I was reading a bunch of lists today, and I didn't want to hit you with the regular ones. I didn't want to go, Sugar is the best bad guy of all time. <laughs> Just another, like, Just let's kiss going. Cormac McCarthy's ass. <laughs> I wanted to find ones that we hadn't really discussed on here, and I'm just now realizing that the first three, not strong ones for Kristen. So I'm hoping that the next ones you're more familiar with, and I think you will be. It's why I picked them. <laughs> we'll see. So my first one for film. Neo Mm -hmm. from the Matrix trilogy. He's at times a student, he's a master, he's a novice, he's a warrior, he's a very, very complex character. This like accountant that finds himself to be like the next coming of Christ. You know (laughs) and he doesn't know, especially in the first film, what he's doing at all, what his purpose is. He's an insecure god Mm -hmm. at a lot of levels. I can't remember how they word that scene at all. I'd have to go back and rewatch it. Uh, No, before that. Um, I guess maybe it's after that. Maybe at that point he's already followed the white rabbit. But there's a scene whenever he has to climb out the window of his... I love that scene. um, Morpheus is on the phone with him. Yeah, and he ends up getting caught anyway. But um, he climbs out the window of his office and... I don't remember how he words it to him, but Morpheus says something to him along the lines of basically, because at this point, Neo's decided he's very unhappy with his life. It's yeah. like, you can basically stay here and die in this cubicle, or you can climb out the window, you know, yeah. and like, live your life. And I was like, that's, I don't know. Like yeah, really... it was like, the choice is up to you, then there's a gust of wind and he drops his phone. So to everybody in the office, it looks like Neo just about jumped off the fucking yeah. building and got saved by a policeman, you know? Yeah, because he climbs back in the window. Yeah. But uh, it is just a, again, beautifully, like, real-life concept of, mm-hmm. like, do you want to die in this cubicle? It's very Kafka. Another reference that keeps getting brought up on here. But, like, the absurdity of that initial premise goes, hey, you're not in the world. Like, this is this world now. Mm-hmm. And I, I like, too, weirdly, that, um, oh, shoot, what's his name? Keanu Reeves. Yeah, Keanu Reeves. I can't think of his name. Say, Molly, thank you. I learned that that character was supposed to be played by Will Smith and then by Nicolas Cage. Both of them turned it down, and Keanu got the part. And I, I feel like, which is what I was about to say, I feel like, in a weird way, Keanu is honestly maybe the best cast for that part, because I feel like a lot of people, when given a role that changes so dramatically because his character changes a lot just in that first movie alone yeah Yeah. and the first movie in particular but just as the series goes on um 
would feel a need to like overemphasize that mm-hmm. and like uh Keanu's acting in that movie is almost like monotone and very understated yeah. and so like we just have this kind of depressing dull character when he kind of transcends into this godlike being he isn't a character who's like pompous and full of himself yeah. he's just like oh I guess I can do these yeah, things. It's like you know? technically, I'm still the new guy around here. Yeah. What's up with these fucking worms <laughs> going on? You know? It is kind of a cool. Can we not get steak in this world? Are there no cows? <laughs> it is kind of a cool transition, though, because whenever he is like kind of this all-powerful being who discovers he can fly, it's not like this is stupid. It's like, oh shit, he can fly. You know, that's where it started to lose me, though. If I'm honest with the Matrix trilogy, I liked it before he could fly. You know, I liked it. When the special effects were awesome in the first film because nothing like that had ever been done. And by the end of it, it's like, I know you're going to do the slow-mo bullet thing. Like, I, I know you're going to dodge some rounds. Yeah. Like, and I, I didn't mind the... Wait, he can fly away from the agents? Why, why is he Superman? No. <laughs> I didn't necessarily mind the flying, per se. I think for me it was when, and I think that's either the second or third movie, when we introduced the... The twins. Yeah, the twins. The, al- <laughs> the albino twins where shit starts to get weird because then we have way too much of the slow-mo fighting scenes yeah. that like last for like five minutes and it's like, is this fight still going? Yeah, but then you also, in that film, you get the creator, which is an awesome character. You get the French chick. I can't remember her name. The French actress. Mm-hmm. But you get her and she's like the temptress, the woman in the red dress from the first film. Like yeah. she's she's fully realized as this other character here. I think the Oracle's dead by the third film. Like Yeah, I think she does. Yeah, and like so he's like there, there are interesting elements to it. There's a sick fucking shootout on a moving truck, you know, but again, too much slow mo. And it's like just how long the fight scenes last is yeah. what kinda pulled me out of it. It's like, okay, we could we could have done the slow-mo for like a few seconds yeah. and moved on. Like the drama in the first, no, not the first fight, but the final fight with the agent in the first Matrix where they're down in the, you know, the platform and he throws him in front of the train and they have this big fight is cool because it's him versus Mr. Smith. And then you figure out Mr. Smith is a virus. He can repopulate himself. And then there's that dumb scene where Neo like rips down a light pole and he's doing spins, mm. beating the shit out of three thousand, yeah. you know, fucking Mr. Yeah. Smith. I'm not saying there were. And then he flies out like Superman. And it's like, dude, no, fuck that. Like, I need you to be in direct competition with something that is equally as powerful as you. If you can beat up 3,000 Mr. Smiths, maybe you need to open a Taekwondo class. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the, I think that's the interesting thing about that character in particular, though, is the Matrix isn't a real world, so he yeah. can only fly in the Matrix. It's not like he can fly in real life when he's yeah. unplugged from the Matrix. So He's just a man ba- when he's in the real world. Yeah, and it's basically... Like, he is this godlike figure in the Matrix, but it is basically like he's just the coder of the program. Like, he learns yeah. how to cheat the codes. He's a hacker. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it is kind of an interesting concept, and like that's why I'll forgive some of the more ridiculous stuff, is because he can't do it in the real world when he gets unplugged. Yeah. If he's... he started flying around and beating up the yeah. Sentinels, then we would have been like, ah, fuck yeah. you, fuck like, the whole Yeah, like, he's basically just, yeah, a hacker who's learned how to cheat the system, and much in the way that Smith is a virus who can mutate and produce, you know, as many versions of himself that he wants. Like, Neo's learned how to bend reality to suit his will because he's learned how to cheat the code. Yeah, he so. learned how to bend the spoon. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like, I'll forgive some of its most ridiculous qualities because the fact is the Matrix, is, Matrix isn't real. Yeah. And he's learned how to kind of bend it to its his will. I love that. <laughs> my second film these next two are just ridiculous oh no but I figured around here we'd be getting loose lipped are you ready for them <laughs> yeah Ace Ventura Pet oh. Detective oh man <laughs> he's quirky he's bumbling but he always gets his man literally <laughs> it's the first film's a little transphobic oh it is <laughs> yeah those, those movies Oh, much, I slept with her. I slept with her. She slept with everybody. She's a man. Finkel is Einhorn. <laughs> um, yeah, and I really, like, I know I brought that up to you before. I really, we have to sit down together and watch uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind because 
It's a much more serious role for Jim Carrey. I love Jim Carrey's serious roles, yeah. A beautiful, beautiful movie. Um, and kind of an eccentric character, too. But yeah, Ace Ventura, height of Jim Carrey's weirdness, for sure. <laughs> um, I don't even know where to go with those. I... <laughs> Like the idea. I thought I'd hit you with God and then hit you with Jim Carrey's most ridiculous role of all time. It's still hel- Slinky, Slinky, everybody likes it. No! Go, Slinky, go! <laughs> but no, I, I think the thing that's so funny about those movies is they're ridiculous movies, granted, so some of the yeah. other characters are kind of a little quirky too, but for the most part, all the other characters in those movies are relatively normal ish people. Yeah. So when he's literally, like, rolling across the floor, like, acting like he's, like, a ninja and going to escape out the door and you're not going to notice it, he's like, kill the lights quick, and he rolls, yeah. like, it's yeah. like, are you? Or when he puts himself like, on self-rewind, you remember? <laughs> he's like, zip dip dip he's like running backwards. <laughs> like, I, the idea that somebody actually hired him in... Like any circumstance to help he's find. He's a pet detective. Yeah, he's trying to find a to dolphin. Help find a dolphin or find a monkey or any of that. I'd be like, "Are you okay?" Fight off the poachers. Yeah. Like I think maybe you should see a doctor. <laughs> he gets birthed from the rhino. It, it falls out the rhino's ass. Oh. I think the opening scene in one is he's basically dressed up as a UPS guy so he can break into an alcoholic's house and steal his chihuahua. <laughs> Uh, that's a, a joke we make at work whenever the boxes are a little yeah. banged up because he smashes some of the boxes. <laughs> the boxes look like they got Ace ventura <laughs> Kicks it down the street. Yeah. Oh my god. I hate the uh, snot scene, though. Yeah. Like that, I can't. It literally the- makes me sick. No, don't do it because like, the sound legit bothers me. I have to like cover my ears and be like, la, 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 la. <laughs> Yeah, like the yeah, Alrighty then. But isn't he a great character? I think only Jim Carrey could have pulled that yeah, character Yeah, and off. the more that I think about it, I could have written down any Jim Carrey character. Maybe a better one for complex character, Liar Liar. Like what happens in Liar Liar? He's made this promise to his son and now, or his son gets one wish and now he can't lie as a person who does that for the a living. The pen is blue. <laughs> That's a really good movie. <laughs> What'd you think? I've had better. <laughs> <laughs> or how was it for you? <laughs> oh yeah, no. I think honestly, if I'm gonna pick any Bruce of his, Almighty. <laughs> I think honestly, if I'm gonna pick any of his movies, uh, which uh, fuck, The Truman Show was a really good one. Truman's too. That's my a, easily one of my favorite. Incredibly films. complex character. Hello. Like, Goodbye, good evening, and good night. Is that the or is <laughs> it's it goodbye? Good morning, good, good evening, and good night. Mm-hmm. But then I think he also does the opposite. Yeah. Um, that I mean that's a fantastic example too because it's a character who was purposely scared of the water so that he would never try to leave the TV yeah. show and like the insanity of that that he would live and die in basically a TV network and never know the difference. If, yeah, he's locked in a sound studio. Yeah, and this character that's like driven to the point where he thinks he's crazy but he's like all of you people are actually crazy you know? <laughs> no that's a fantastic example but i think still my favorite would be uh eternal sunshine it's definitely one we need to watch because it's such yeah. a like compelling movie like this couple comes together and then the relationship ends up being so volatile and there's a uh a doctor who can actually literally erase your memories yeah. so she has him erased, and then he has her erased, and while he's in the process of having her erased, you're literally in his head, and the world's falling apart, and he's, like, desperately trying to cling to the memory of her. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a cool movie. I would really love to see that one. Have you seen number 23? A long time ago. That is one of my favorite, because it's a horror film with Jim Carrey in it. He's basically a dog catcher who finds a book. And I can't talk about it more than that, or I'll ruin what happens. But yeah, I, I honestly he don't becomes really obsessed with it. the number, and he like dials into like this paranoid state, and then it like has like a beautiful mind esque arc to it. I, I fucking love Jim Carrey. I do want to 
revisit that one. We started drinking early, so you wouldn't yawn. Yeah, well, beer makes me tired. <laughs> um, I do want to revisit that one because I haven't seen that one probably since I was a teenager, and I really don't remember the movie mm-hmm. at all. Um, and people rave about it, and I'm like, I don't remember what it was about. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's really fucking cool. Um, my last one that I have, again, much in the same vein as the last one, I could have used this actor in any of his roles, the and maybe Farrell. we can have it. It is Will Ferrell. <laughs> My next character, Ron Burgundy from Anchorman. I was going to say, that's pretty bad when someone says that and you're like, I know it's a handful of people. It's probably <laughs> it's Will Ferrell. It's probably another SNL type guy. <laughs> I really, really like, um, I think Anchorman's probably the best example, but I do actually really like... Um, Step Brothers. No, the movie where he's a writer... Um, yeah, 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 and he can hear the. No, he's not the writer. He's the main character, oh, right, and he can yeah. hear the, the writer in his voice. head. Yeah. yeah, what is that? Um, I'll look it up. Stranger than fiction. Stranger than yeah. fiction. Yeah. I really like Stranger Do you, than Fiction. Who was the woman? It's an English actor. Yeah. I'll look or it actress. up. I don't remember. Tell me name. what you like about it. I, I just that's a really cool concept because like. He thinks he's going crazy initially again because he's hearing a voice in yeah. his head, and then he realizes. He basically doesn't have any control over his life. And then I get lost a little bit at the end where he goes to see her and reads her book. Emma Thompson. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I get a little lost at the end where he goes to read her book, realizes the book's perfect, and because the book's perfect, he has to die because that's what happens in the book. Yeah. In real life, I'd be like, no, fuck you, lady. Let's rewrite an ending. Why can't we happily ever after this shit? Yeah, I would be like, no, fuck you. But like... The transition of his character, because he's a tax person, being this, Mm -hmm. like, stuffy, unbearable, miserable, neurotic tax person. But now he knows that his life is being written about. He takes his life a lot more seriously. And, like, knows ultimately that he's going to die, because she tells him at the beginning of the movie he's going to die. And so the whole time he's like, what? When? Like, what's happening? You know? (laughs) And then he meets the baker chick, Maggie Gyllenhaal, and she's, like, the total opposite, like, fun and, like... Yeah. Does what she wants, and, like, it's just cool to see, like, their characters. Like, she calms down a bit, and he, like, grows as a person. Yeah. And then, even though he meets the woman he loves, he's like, oh, you have to kill me, because that's what the book should be. <laughs> I'd be like, fuck you, lady. <laughs> Will Ferrell had a hell of, or has a hell of a career. What's his, uh, Talladega Nights? Uh-huh. I'm on fire! And he's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah. <laughs> he's just standing there in the <laughs> I don't know why I picked two character actors to go, but it works, you know. Like I, I like them both. Elf is always a fun holiday. Elf is one fun. Too. It's so dumb, but it's just fun for the holidays. There's a- somehow Will Ferrell to me, and maybe it's just because I was a kid when Jim Carrey was huge, and I was, you know, a teenager when Will Ferrell got huge. Will Ferrell seems like a sillier Jim Carrey. Like Jim Carrey always seemed to have like a, a hyper message, even to the dumbest of his films. Mm. You know, maybe not Dumb and Dumber and Ace Ventura, yeah. but you know, like uh, his later comedies even still had kind of a point. Liar, liar, and Bruce Almighty, and um, fucking now I'm gonna forget it. The one that he was in with the doe-eyed chick from New Girl, Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, man. Yes, yeah. Like they had like these overbearing messages, you know, that I was like, he's like the adult Will Ferrell. <laughs> yeah. I, I like too, though, that I feel like um, if you watch any of the behind the scenes footage, like Liar Liar is a good example where he's just kind of fucking around. It's mostly improv. Um, he did the mask. Oh. We didn't bring up the yeah. mask at all. <laughs> um, not, not even that it's improv, that like you can tell. Like, number one, he's a comedian. Like, he wants to make yeah. people laugh. He was a stand-up make... comedian for yeah. a long time. The Dangerfields, yeah. I believe. Like, or the he wants comedy to make story. people yeah. feel good even whenever he's making these movies. So, like, when they're trying to do a scene, he'll just be kind of goofing off or yeah. whatever. And, like, you can tell, like, <laughs> like that's, like, his like genuine passion is just making people happy. Yeah. I like that. Like, I, not that Will Ferrell doesn't want to make people happy, but I think... That was like the spirit of who Jim Carrey was. Was like, or is he's still yeah. alive? He's not dead. Well, yet. <laughs> he doesn't do movies and stuff anymore, though. So, yeah. like, he's gotten a lot more um, contemplative and kind of mm-hmm. reclusive in his older age. But like, whenever he was younger and making movies and stuff like that, was back kind when of... he was old rubber face and he could <laughs> do anything with his eyes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like Will Ferrell. Just seems like an actor who does comedies, you know, mm-hmm. not like someone who's like. A need to make people laugh and feel joy and yeah i don't know but yeah will ferrell is a good example of 
quirky ass characters. Well, all, my my <laughs> note, I had notes for all of these guys. For Ron Burgundy, I just had just dot 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 strange. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I don't know what I learned from Anchorman. I don't know how well, much I can quote from Anchorman. I like that he sets up the other news crew on the marijuana bust. I thought that was hilarious. I like that Anchorman. I like the subtly. standoff in the second movie. <laughs> with, I, I like Stephen Carell doing the. <laughs> I like that Anchorman subtly um, pokes fun at like the sexism of especially older times. Mm -hmm. It's a movie that's set in like what the seventies yeah. or something. So like he's that. like yeah. an old school news. Yeah, banker. and like all of his friends are like douchebags, and like yeah. they make a point to make it very obvious that they're douchebags, and then the one you know, female anchor comes along and she takes her career seriously and she wants to be taken seriously and it's kind of a bummer. They end up having a relationship and she ends up kind of being a bit of a silly character too. Yeah. But, like, I do like that they kind of poke fun of, like, God, they were super sexist, weren't they, you know? <laughs> it has its own weird message of, like, that's kind of dumb to act that way, yeah. isn't it? That's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> that's uh, Evan Almighty. Or yeah. Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty. Again, Anchorman Steve was... Steve Carell's a good example Stephen well. Carell, yeah, Steve Carell's fucking brilliant. <laughs> the Office is probably hands down. That's a beautiful character, but like the, as of this recording, the Emmys are happening tonight, uh, so maybe that's apropos. Um, but yeah, Steve Carell with The Office. I really want to see that uh, movie where he builds the little characters too that we kept saying we wanted to the, watch yeah he got that's based on a real dude you know that no i didn't yeah he was i think he was a gay guy got his ass kicked in a roadside bar and it broke a part of his personality so he started creating like you can actually look at the real dudes uh little world war ii reenactments in his backyard Aww. it's based on that guy well, now i want to watch it more it's I not, like it's not on of, netflix i feel like there are a lot of good examples um of what, complex characters yeah. well characters that are like kind of absurd the other also, from the beginning yeah. yeah um the dude from zoolander what's his name um is another good one what's his name he's got dark hair <sighs> I can't remember his name, but Zoolander's another one. <laughs> I'm going to Google it. I'm not, I'm not no, getting yelled no, at for we not were, remembering it right off the top of my head. We were talking ben, about... Uh, Bill, 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 Ben... Stiller. Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. Yeah. Bill Stiller. <laughs> Bill Stiller. <laughs> no, Ben Stiller. Um, yeah, because like, that's another one um, that I really want to see, too, is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, where it's like kind of this reclusive character put in these really absurd situations and learns to like appreciate his yeah. life. And well, Stiller did... like. A couple of family-friendly but offensive films, like the Meet the Fockers was fucking hilarious. Mm. Uh, I, I liked Meet the Parents. Uh, <laughs> meet the Parents, Meet the Fockers, whatever it was. I liked the one that people didn't like. I, <laughs> I think Meet the Fockers was the sequel, and it wasn't as popular. Yeah, I liked that one, because he, like, knocks, he, like, breaks his wife's nose in front of Robert De Niro. Teaches the baby and, the F word. Yeah. <laughs> Fuckers. <laughs> I think he flushes the cat, like, down the toilet, yeah. too, or something. <laughs> you got anything else? Any any more characters that can come to mind? I'm tapping out so I can go ahead and get the wings in the thing here in a minute. Nah, I'm good. Good. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of good ones out there, but I feel like we covered quite a few. Yeah. 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 My beer's hit me, guys. I'm sorry. I've Plugs. Been, it's been a long week. Um, you can find, <laughs> you find us at Facebook at facebook.com slash nightmarebuxproduction. Or swing on over to the YouTube. You can find us at youtube.com slash Kristen Bloom where you can see all the good things she did before she met me. That's my radio voice. Or you can go on to youtube.com slash Nightmarebuxproduction. Where you can see Brainstormer. Or happy birthday. Or the dolls. How, are, how good are we doing on Brainstorm? Uh, it's at 2400 right now. 2400 considering that we've not advertised it at all? Pretty goddamn good numbers. Imagine if we tried, folks at home. Um, or you can go on over to our Instagram at... At Nightmare Box Productions. And you can see all of our pretty pictures. Or Twitter, and you can stare at a post we put up last January. <laughs> <laughs> at Nightmare Box Bro. <laughs> Um, or you can go to our website. It's accurate. <laughs> the Nightmare Box Dog Blog. Uh, where you can see Brainstorm. You can see The Dolls. You can see Happy Birthday. You can read a couple of things I've written. You can also read the scripts for those um, 
films and you can see where they wound up on the screen, where they didn't, where Kristen made, you know, a different turn than I made in the writing and how that made the film so much fucking better. <laughs> or you can send us an email at uh, at gmail. Uh, and I promise you, if you want to start a dialogue via that email address, we could probably incorporate it into the show. I've got some really cool ideas coming up. Um, I've got two interviews and a segment that I want to add. Um, one involves a old friend of mine who, um, let me say, is not very well read on history. I'm going to have arguments with him about history. <laughs> It'll be funny. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. Um, or you can um, go over to Barnes & Noble or Amazon, or you can just send me an email and we'll figure out the payment process. Um, I'll send you a copy of the Madman Diaries via that email. If you send me $10, I'll send it to you anywhere in the world. Don't care if it costs me $15 to get it there. I'll take the loss and give you the book. I need to get them off my shelf. So, Do we have anything else? Rate, re- review, and share. Rate, review, and share. Because I'm stumbling over my words. That too. I love you, sweetheart. I love you. Ready to go watch this movie? Once again, it is Polaroid 2019. We're going to get hammered. Watch this thing and try to talk to you about it next week. So watch it. Love you. Love you. And I love you guys. We'll talk to you on Tuesday. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> You're creepy. <laughs>